Recently, I was watching a biography of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. They told of the many wonderful achievements of Lucille Ball. Various actors and actresses praised her for her achievements on this earth. As I was watching that, I heard this scripture. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And just at the moment I heard that, they were showing how she and Desi Arnaz divorced and then she found a younger man and married him. I just turned the TV program off. Many times when I hear of a rich man and all of his achievements or a famous man and all of his achievements, as I'm hearing that story, the thought will come to me, but where is he now? Where is he now? As we go through life, that's all that matters. Sometimes I will hear people say, well, I just did this for my children, because of my children. I wanted to do it because of my children. The only thing that you can possibly leave for your children that matters is a godly life. When I think of my own father, who never went to church, they didn't even have Bibles to read at the house, and yet people said of him he would make such a good Christian because he was living such a godly life. <laughs> well, this was true. He really was. He was that example in Romans chapter 2. Paul said in verse 14, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean while accusing or excusing one another. My dad would never have passed by somebody who was stranded on the side of the road. He was a mechanic. He could fix the car. He would have always stopped and asked them what was wrong. Could he help them? I never heard my dad complain about people or things. He told me, if you go into a cafe to eat and the food's not good, just pay the bill and leave and don't go back. He lived in such peace and he didn't even know the laws of God, but they were in his heart and he was an example. He was also another example to me in that my mother wanted to get a job and work. And he said, no, no, I want you to stay home and take care of Joan. So she did. She obeyed him. Well, they were both saved in the end. I have no doubt whatsoever that they were. 
before they died, both of them. But they lived lives which were so close to godliness and were great examples for me, though I didn't know it at the time. My dad was a very simple man. He was a mechanic. He only went through third grade, which was not unusual for a man of his generation. He was fair with people. I never saw him cheat anybody. I never heard of it. He tried to help them. One time during the Depression era, my dad fixed the cars and trucks for one of the farmers, and the farmer couldn't pay him. And the farmer said, just take my land. And my dad said, no, no, I won't do that. He said, the day will come when you'll be able to make money again on your land, and you can pay me then. When the local banker heard about this, the local banker said, oh, that's not the way to live. Take the land. That's how you make money. When you hear a story like this, you wonder, both of these men are dead now. Now, where are these men today? And what about their ancestors? Well, I can tell you that I had godly examples, though we didn't have scripture. It, was, it went along with scripture. The examples that I saw went along with scripture. My mother would not have done evil to my dad at all. Proverbs 31, she will do him good and not evil all the days of their life. It was just so different from what I see today. And I feel sorry for people today because most of them don't have these great advantages that I have. My mom and dad did not owe people money. If we didn't have the money to buy the object, we didn't buy the object. We didn't even buy a house. The house we had when I was a child burned and everything was wiped out. And we lived with relatives in a little village. When I was in first grade, we were living there. I didn't know we were in any way deprived. I mean, I never even thought about it. And then my dad built a little, what we call shack, with a little one-room dwelling. And we lived in that for a while. And then when he made enough money, he went to Lubbock, Texas, where they sold prefabricated houses. And he moved that in and finished it for us, and we lived in it until I left for um, school, college. We didn't get mortgages. We didn't do things like that. We didn't owe for cars. We didn't owe for anything. If we didn't have the money, we didn't buy it. It was real simple. Today, it is so different. I feel sorry for people today. In 1960, I moved to Dallas, Texas to take a job teaching in a high school there. I was an orchestra director. One Sunday morning, I was reading the Dallas Morning News, and they told a story that was just totally incomprehensible to us. They said the time was coming 
when we really wouldn't use money. We would be using a plastic card to charge everything. We just couldn't imagine that. That was in 1960. Today, we can't imagine living without those plastic cards. I pay for everything with my plastic cards, but I only buy what I can pay for at the end of each month. I don't charge more than I have money to pay for. I'm just so fortunate because I was raised that way. And many of you weren't. Many of you were raised to buy now and pay later. And as you can see the coronavirus and the things it's done, you should be able to realize that's not a wise way to live. That's not a way of God. That is the plan of human beings. And it puts you in a terrible bondage. I strongly recommend that you turn to God and purpose to get out of debt if you're in debt and to set your life another way. You might have taken out a mortgage to have a bigger house and more things. Thinking of you're doing well for your family. But really what the Bible tells us is godliness with contentment is great gain. And that is great gain. It's not contentment to put all these things in front of the eyes of your family. All these things that you can't afford, that you've charged, that you can't pay for. This isn't godliness. Let's look at what godliness with contentment is. 1 Timothy chapter 6. If there's anyone that supposes gain is godliness... Paul says, from such withdraw thyself. Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So if you are in debt, you are teaching your children to be in debt and to live that kind of life. God has a way to change it all. I don't know the way. But I know he can change it if you want it changed. Pray. Ask God to help you. Ask him to give you wisdom to show you how to go another way. Take this scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Keep it before you day and night. Godliness with contentment is great gain.
try to live by this scripture. By doing that, you will, not only will you be saved, but you will save your whole household because they watch you. They watch you. Jesus once said he watched God the Father and did what the Father did. Human children watch their dad and copy their dad. You are the example for them. A wife, you are the example. So the wife has to fulfill herself. This is what so many women think today, and they give up everything. I just shudder when I see a picture of a woman in a military uniform in Iraq telling her children how much she misses them. This is insanity. That's not a godly way. Paul wanted the women to love their husbands, to care for their children. I just don't understand giving up your children this way. I see so many women doing that. Almost, well, I think all the women that I know who are in the medical profession have young children and have left them with someone else to take care of them while they make money. I can't think of a more ungodly direction for a woman to go. Now the child might admire the mom for being a medical doctor. But this is just not what I see in the Bible. What I was raised in is what I see in the Bible. And yet my parents didn't even go to church and didn't even have a Bible. But the laws of God were somehow in their heart. And I have to say, looking back on it, the life they lived was a godly life. And later they were born again. So we come back to what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I know a minister who's very crooked. Uh, it's a woman. She's crooked. I saw her steal from the airlines, trick the airlines into shipping boxes of books and Bibles which she sold at her meeting. And she told me how she did it. These were in the days when we had curbside check-in. She said, you take several $1 bills, a wad of $1 bills, and you roll it up and you put a 10 or a 20 on the outside of the roll of bills. And you have that roll of bills in your hands you drive up to curbside, you unload all of the boxes of books and Bibles that you want to ship on the plane where you're traveling. And you let that baggage man see that roll of bills that you're going to hand to him as a tip. And he will check your boxes through without charging you anything. I didn't even realize at the time she told me that she was stealing from the airlines. It wasn't until I got free from kind of a corrupt church that I was in at the time that I remembered what she had done. She was stealing from the airlines. 
in order to sell books and Bibles at her meetings. Well, I don't know the end. Oh, and one, one thing she did say very proudly, she had a 12-year-old 12 12-year-old daughter at that time, and she said, and I've taught my daughter to do this. She can do this too. See, this is what we teach our children is what we do. We either teach them directly or we teach them by them watching what we do. Either your life is in a way of God, a godly way, or it isn't. And your children are going to copy you. So if you want to leave them something, leave them an example of a godly life. Several years ago, a man who was doing some work for me, he was a divorced man, and his two children were living with him at the time. Turned out his wife was a lesbian, and she had gone off with another woman. And I felt very sorry for him and the children. But then he was having sex with women that he wasn't married to. He was a Catholic, and he would go and confess his sins at the Catholic Church, but then go and have sex again. I mean, this was just awful. And I told him, I said, you are leaving your children a very ungodly example of a way to live. I felt sorry for them. Certainly this man could have remarried, and he eventually did remarry. He wasn't prohibited from remarrying in that situation. But the way of life that you're living in front of your children, I'm, I'm shocked at some things I see on television, and I usually quickly, quickly turn them off. Sometimes, well, I was trying to watch a British mystery the other day. It was actually a, a law show where the main character was a prosecuting attorney or defense attorney. I can't recall which. I never got that far in the show. At the beginning of the show, his daughter was standing there, a teenage daughter, and she wanted, to, she wanted her boyfriend to stay over the next night and spend the night there, and he objected. But it wasn't a godly objection. It was some other kind of objection. And I thought, how people live today, it's awful to approve all these sins in front of your children. This is a really good time for each person listening to examine the values whereby you live to have opportunity to make changes before going forward, if needed. To make a life that is more appropriate to the Bible. For that's all that matters. For the love of money is the root of all evil. I've been in places like Walmart where... I have encountered someone at a cashier station or someone who worked for Walmart at stacking groceries. And I could see how unhappy those people were. They didn't want to be in that job. They took it for one reason only, money. The love of money is the root of all evil. You say, well, I've got to have money. Well, pray. God knows that. Pray. 
asking God to put you in a situation which you can enjoy. When you're unhappy and have taken a job for money, most people take jobs for money. I, I didn't. Now, I was very fortunate. I did not have to work when I was in high school. I wanted to work. So the first job I ever took was at a little store called Franklin's Dress Store. I hated it. I really hated it. I didn't like fooling with the merchandise. I've always been more inclined toward books and things like that. I quit the job immediately. I don't know that I even worked a day or two. I got another job working as popcorn girl at the at State Theater, which was the main theater of our little village. And I liked it better than the other, but I didn't like it either, so I eventually left it. I didn't have to work. My dad provided what I needed. I didn't need much. But I learned very fast that I didn't want to work in a job that I hated. I did learn that. So from that point on, I did not take jobs that I hated. I found the things that I liked to do and found jobs that fit in that category. Even before I was born again, I was doing this. Pray. Ask God to help you. Don't just keep doing something you hate. It, it messes up your life. So what he says here is the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Instead, pray. God will help you. Depend on him. Trust in him to lead you to the place that you need to be for the period of time in which we live. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.